0: Oh, thank you. I'm bringing some grateful recovering compulsive over-eater for today. Hi, Hi, I want to thank May and also Roy for reaching out and asking me to come out and share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, I'm I'm not nervous, but the fact is that sometimes my mind wanders, and I will go here and there. So if I kind of get a little off, you know, just bear with me. Um, I'll get the numbers out of the way first. I think that's important for me is, uh, Craig, would you get the pictures there for me? And I don't know my top weight. I have a half sister that told me at one time that she knew that I was weighing 334. I have no clue. The only thing I I do know is that I was in a 26 and a half dress going to a twenty-eight. And um, the half size was introduced to me by a friend of mine. Uh, I would go with her to the store, and I said, I can't get in this. And she said, well, just, you know, the straight size, you know, And I was climbing up, you know. And she said, get the half size. It'll give you more room. So when I talked to people, I would say I was in a 20, 22, 24, 26. I never introduced the half size to you. That was one of my denials that I learned in this fellowship about, you know, I was in deep denial about where I was. Thank God I'm not there today. I'll tell some of you who have heard my story, uh, but I will tell you uh, the ones that happened a little bit about where I came from. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm the only child that my mother had. They tell me my mother and father divorced when I was two years old. My father was from Columbus, Ohio, and he moved back there, and he remarried, and I have seven half-sisters and brothers by his second marriage. My father was abstinent uh, in my life until I was about maybe 12, I'd say something like that, and he would want me to come over and, which Columbus, a lot of you don't know if you're not from the East Coast, you know that's not that far from Pittsburgh. And I, I I really didn't like going over there because I didn't like my stepmother, and she didn't like me. So around 12 years old, things began to change, and she appeared like she liked me, but I never did like her. Um, But anyway, uh, I got to know a little bit about my father, and um, which was nice. And more about my siblings because that was the exciting thing I had someone to play with and someone to talk to, which I was raised up alone. And if anyone here is, is the only child, you know what that's like, um, To other than neighbors or friends, you know, school chums or whatever to play with. But anyway, I had my mother's parents live close by. I was raised around my mother's parents. Uh, I had three sources of how to get what I wanted. My mother... Most of the time would say no or let me think about it. My grandmother would say, what did your mother say? My grandfather never said anything but yes. So I always had three ways of getting what I wanted. Uh, and I'll always say Papa for last because I knew what the answer would be. He overpowered my mother and my grandmother. They were very upset with him, too, about that from time to time, but it didn't matter. It worked his way. Um. I was not a fat child, as you can see. I have only, I have two pictures there, and one, believe me, I don't have a clue why I have those stockings, colored stockings on and on, but that's just the way that things were at that time, and I know that my mother did the best she could. My mother was a chef, by the way, and I never recall my mother ever cooking other than on Saturdays. And then she would get out the pans of the cakes and cookies and all this kind of stuff, and she just cooked all day on Saturday. Uh, she worked at a large hotel there, and she'd bring large trays of platters of food home and set it down, and I could have anything I wanted. I was never denied food. Never denied food. Um, the only I can remember now being in program is coming back to me around about three to four years old. I had a friend that lived across the street, and my mother would periodically, uh, she would bake cookies. We had this snowman, and uh, she would look in there periodically, and she would say, oh, we have to fill up the stomach. And I would sit at the counter, and I would move because she had a little pan for me that she would bake me a big cookie like that all by myself. So she would invite my friend across the street sometimes and this particular time my friend came over and I said to my mother I'll get her the cookies I gave my friend one and I don't know being at that age I must have didn't have a one in each hand but I had cookies in both hands and my mother said I always tell you to share equally with your friends so you give her yours and you take hers and I said to my friend I don't like you you go home I realized being in program that that was my first concept of being possessive of food of my food you know you're not going to get more than me and what I have on my plate is mine and I'm not going to share it and that's today I have to be honest about that you know I had rather I was t- telling my friend I was really rather take you out to wine and dine you out than to cook because see I don't think that I can cook enough for you and I, so I'd rather take you out because whatever I got is mine. I'm not sharing with you. And that may sound selfish, but that's just who I am. I am a truly compulsive overeater. I can remember my grandfather would take me uh, to, uh, we had a drugstore about two and a half blocks from us. He would take me there. And, it, and in my days, they had the the, the counter and they had at the counter, and he would sit me up on the stool, and he would say, what do you want? And I would look over to the bin of the ice cream, and I said, I want one, two, and and, and he said, that's all you can have because you, you can't have it. And I always wanted it on a cone. I did not want it in a plate or a cup or anything. And so he said, three is enough, but we can always go back and get seconds, he'd say. And I learned from my grandfather, because he always said to my mother and my grandmother, give her more and my mother would say no and he said i could give her more whatever it was it didn't matter and i realized being in program that this was probably is or probably I was probably earlier than that in a compulsive reader, but i don't have no remembrance of it i um when i was about my grandmother was a school teacher and she always wanted me to be what she wanted me to be and i told her no i didn't like that that was not going to be my thing. And thank God it wasn't my thing. Um, at 16 years old, I got pregnant and I had a daughter. Uh, I did not marry my my daughter's father for a year. Why I married him, I cannot tell you. Because it did not work. Uh, at 17, I got married. At 19, I had another daughter. At 21, I decided I wanted a divorce. In the meantime, my grandmother said to me, you've thrown your life away. You'll be nothing. And I was always like my grandmother. I would challenge you. You know, I didn't like people telling me, daring me to not do anything or saying you won't be this or you won't do that. I was just the opposite. I'm going to show you that I'm going to do something. At 21, I divorced my husband. At 22, I re-entered school. At 29, turning 29 that summer, I graduated from... Uh, nursing school in Philadelphia, my grandparents took care of my grand- of my children financially, but they refused to help me, which was fine. I, I, as my grandmother always said, you're a lot like me. You know, you don't believe cow horns a hook, do you, until you get there. And that was really where I was, because I felt if they wanted to take care of my children, I'm going to show them that I'm going to be something in life you know, and I realized being in program that it was just the guidance of my higher power at that time that was taking me through all these, and I was giving myself credit for what I did. When I graduated from nursing school and, and my family came and I walked up to my grandmother and I said to her, do you think I won't be anything now? And she looked at me with a little smirky smile and she says, you'll be all right. Never till the day she passed and she say she was sorry or she Forgive her or whatever. But that was okay because I do know deep down inside today, having programmed, that my grandparents and my mother loved me, and they did the best they could for me. But at the time, I thought it was very, very, very bad that she would talk to me like that and never apologize. For many, 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 many years, I held that within until I entered program. I came to San Francisco. Um, my kids, uh, were pretty big then, and I came to San Francisco, and my oldest daughter never liked it here. She wanted to go back. So I really did not want to let them go back, but I had to, because I did, I wanted my kids to be happy, and I really didn't want to separate the two girls. The youngest girl was happy with me, the oldest one wasn't, because of her family, and everything was more back there. So I let them go back. In the meantime, when I left, was left alone in San Francisco, and um, it was quite a challenge, San Francisco was. Uh, as some of you know, uh, the hate Ashbury, and I got into a lot of things in San Francisco that were really wasn't very pleasing for me. And I remember this gentleman, the first time I ever heard of the 12-step program was this guy was in... AA. And he used to say to me, come and go to a meeting. And I said, I don't want to go to no meeting. I'm not an alcoholic. You know, what am I going there for? And he said, well, you know, you might learn something. And I just always pushed him away. And I moved from San Francisco across the bay into Oakland to get away from him. And periodically I would see him and he would be saying the same thing to me. So then one of my siblings was here and she says, move to LA. So LA, here I come. Not really caring for L.A., but I came because I was in the fast life, and I liked it, you know. Um, When I got here, I was always a person that was on a diet. Being a nurse, I could get any kind of diet pill, any kind of shot, any kind of thing that you wanted. I worked with a surgeon for eight years, uh, and he did not see detail men. He didn't like them. And I would say to the detail men, if you give me so-and-so, I'll see the doctor buys whatever you want him to buy, write it down. And that's how I maneuvered my way through, up and down with uppers and downers and shots and you name it and whatever it, had, it took is what it took for me to lose weight. Um, I remember one time I was coming, one of my uh, cousins playing a movie here, and uh, there was a, a dinner, and my sister and I were going, and I – lost 28 pounds in 30 days and my aunt said to me are you dying what's going on with you and I said nothing I'm fine I'm just fine but I was crazy in the head and I was like this I was taking uppers and downers I wasn't sleeping I was exercising I was just doing everything that you could do Uh, not eating and all kind of things I can be an anorexic bulimic as well as a compulsive overeater. I can be all of them if I want to be. I know today being in program, that's not where I'm supposed to be. But I practice it all. I have practiced it all. And, um, when, uh, my sister, uh, and I went to this thing, um, I got so weak that I almost passed out and I had to leave. And my sister said to me, And that was the wake-up call for me at that time for about two weeks. She said to me, you stop it, you know. And I'm saying, okay. So I did for two weeks. I stopped, you know, whatever I was doing, which was a lot of things. I'm not going to name a lot of things I was doing because this is the way. My food was not that much. I didn't have that much of a problem with food itself. It was. I named my foods, my binge foods. It was pound cake, jelly donuts, and ice cream. That's what I lived on. And it didn't matter about the other food. You could take it away. I had that and I would eat that. I have woke up at two o'clock in the morning with ice cream and cake all in the bed with me. You know, and I know today that my recovery comes from my God. That's what it is, that I don't have to live that way today, that I don't have to um uh, sometimes thinking about it, I get very emotional because i'm not I'm, I'm not there, and my God has took me out of bondage, and I'm very grateful for that, because I was a person in deep denial about everything about my life, except my children. Everybody knew I had two kids, and I couldn't, you know, deny them. They were getting up here with me, you know. And But the fact was that the only thing that I was in denial about was not in denial about was my children. Uh, my food, my dress size, my boyfriends, and, 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 and whatever. You know, it took whatever it was. I never told you the truth about it because I felt like it wasn't your business. Um, I was reading in the big book. Um, I read the big book a lot. Now, I like this one here. I have all of them, the new ones, reversion. But I like this one here. And, and And in there, it talks about almost none of us like self-searching. And that was the thing that I really didn't like about myself. I did not want to know anything about Bernice. And most definitely, you were not going to know anything about me because I wasn't going to tell you. Um, the ideas that I had about myself were, I never thought I had a a low self-esteem, but being in program, it came out in my fourth step that I did have. A lot of things came out in my my first four steps, second, third, fourth, I've had four four steps. Um, now my sponsor has me writing on, um, fear and resentment. Yeah, I have that too. But the reason why I don't keep it is because of my God, and I give it away, and I talk about it, and I write about it. I make phone calls about it, and my friend here, she hears all kind of my garbage going on here. But that's what it's all about for me is to be honest today. I'm honest about where I come from, what I did, who I did it with, but the old Burnies would have covered up, just like I did with my dress sizes, you know. Today, I don't know. I've, I've lost 111 pounds in the fellowship, but I'm holding about 92 to 94 pound weight loss. Now, my friend says I've lost some more weight because we've been walking. I'm supposed to be preparing for this uh, walk-up on 10th of November, and I don't know. But anyway, God knows one day at a time. I don't know, and it's not for me to worry about, you know. I don't worry about things today that I know I can't fix. Things today that is your business and your business, I found out it's not my business. And I learned that in this fellowship here, you know, uh, to just, it says in the big book too, it talks about that in the big book. It says, if I don't know what's good or bad for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you and I'm better off not giving you advice. I like that, you know, for myself. Because if I can't fix me and don't know what's good for me, how in the hell can I tell you what to do with yourself that don't make sense to me, you know. But the old Bernice, I could fix you. I could tell you what to do, you know. And it's amazing today how I can be honest and open about those things today. And to think where I come from to where I am today, it's definitely a God somewhere. I don't know where he or she is. I I do believe in a power greater than myself. I know it's out there somewhere. I can't see it. But sometimes I think I feel it because the, 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 the feel is different some days. I'm just full of joy Uh, uh, when uh, my partner and I, uh, we was walking this morning, and she she said to me, you're really jolly today. You know, you're just, you know, like, and I'm saying, really? Other people see it in me, but sometimes I don't see it, but I do feel different at times. And some days I feel light as a feather. And some days I feel heavy. And that's okay. And the days that I feel heavy, and my head is not straight that I say is on my body. It is, but it's not. I pray a lot. I ask my God, please, take away whatever the strain is or whatever this this thing is that's leaning on my shoulder. Take it away. Because I can't do anything about it. I can't uh, uh, help myself. I feel helpless some days, and some days I don't feel helpless. And I think that my high power wants me to walk through those days that I think that I uh, am uh, taking care of myself. And then he backs me up and puts me through heavy stuff to say, hey, you didn't pray over that before you started that issue, whatever it was. So I'm learning every day of my life, not just morning, not just night, but all during the day, I pray. I pray before each meal, and I ask my God that please don't allow me to overeat this meal, whatever it is. I was sharing with uh my friend here uh what I had for lunch today, and it was crazy, you know, and uh I know that's okay because uh I don't have to go out there and eat up l a today like I used to, you know, and I don't have to dig in into Some days it's pretty rough. I don't work a perfect program. I have to tell you that. I'm not perfect. And believe me, not just my sponsor, but I have three sponsors, and sometimes they'll call me on things. And that's nice. That's really nice. You know, I like that. You know, because why? That lets me know that I'm not perfect, that I am not alone, that there's always somebody there for support for me. And I just love the phone calls that I get. There's someone in this room now that I have stayed close contact with from the day that I met them. And we just play phone tag all the time. And I haven't seen this person until today. I have not seen this person in about, i say, over a year. But that's okay. I do keep connected. And that's by the telephone. I utilize my tools. I utilize my steps. Because I realize for me that I wouldn't be where I am today if I don't have a power that I believe in greater than me. If I don't work my steps, I go back to step one every day. I say step one because every day for myself, it keeps reminding me I am powerless. It has nothing to do, it does have to do with the food, but I'm powerless over everything. People place the things just like it says. I never thought that I would ever say that because I always thought that I could fix anything, any place, or whatever. But today I realize I can't. And I have to remember step one for me. Because, see, I'll get out there, and my head will pick me out there, and I'll try to start fixing you and you and you and this place and that place. And I'll just get into all kind of uh, chaotic situations. And I know that if I remember step one, that's going to have me to back up and pray to my high power to ask him To give me the guidance of what he wants me to do for that day Um, as I said I have three sponsors and they keep me on my toes and that's good for me that's good for me Uh, I had one to call me up yesterday and she says oh my goodness I forgot to call you today before I don't remember because sometimes I'm at home I'm very active outside of the program as well as in the program I'm very very active uh, and I said, oh, you didn't call me? I don't remember. She said, oh, good. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I said, oh, it's okay. You did mean to say that because you're being honest. And this is what I practice for myself when I try to pass on to my sponsors. Be honest and say what you're thinking, what you're doing. Say it. You know. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm here for, to hear your likes and your dislikes and your problems and what's going on. And maybe somehow or another we can come to some conclusion to a better end than what we started with. It's okay for people to say to me, I don't like you. Fine. You don't like me? That's good. Then I know that I must put you in my prayers and in my God box. And say, God, take care of that person for me. Help them to realize that they're not alone, that we're all human beings. We all were born alike. We all are going to die alike. I pray for that person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care if people. I call people on the phone, and if they don't call me back, that's fine. I'm working my program. I'm reaching out to other compulsive overeaters, and that's for my recovery. I love every one of you in here. Glad to see you. I'm so grateful that you came out this evening to hear me. But I'm here for myself. I'm here for my recovery. If I don't keep coming back in these rooms, I honestly believe that I will be 334 pounds, my sister told me at one time. I don't know what my weight is right now. I will know Wednesday, as I was sharing with my friend here, that uh, my doctor, and I can say that in this room, and his little 90 pound uh, nurse always want to put me on the scale. And I say, th- I don't like the scale. I don't, I gave my scales away. I don't want them. I'm not weighing today. He said, I heard that. Get on the scale. So the last three times I've seen him, I haven't been on the scale. So Wednesday, I'm going to be willing to get on the scale ask God to allow me to get on the scale because I know, uh, like, this skirt here, this skirt is really, really, really big on me, and I bought it about a year ago. But it's okay. I don't throw my things away because I don't know where God's going to allow me to be in Another week or two months or maybe I have to go back to that old stuff, you know, and that's okay for me. That's me. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to where I am, but I don't want to forget where I came from. I never, ever want to forget where I've been. And I pray to God to allow me to never forget where I came from because I could go back in a second and that I know. And that's only because I'm going to be trying to run the show. That's why I'm going to go back there. I'm not allowing my high power to do his will. So my thing is for me that I pray a lot. Some days I don't want to pray. And some days I say, God, so and so and so and so. But I really don't want to do that. But I must let your will be done because that's in my prayers in the morning. God, please allow me to let your will be done today. Please allow me to be a better person today than I was yesterday or last week or whenever. Those are some of the prayers that I say in the morning uh i I always um uh try to meditate, but sometimes I get interfered with, and it's okay because it's usually nine times out of ten it's for a good cause uh I used to do step ten at night I do step ten during the day all during the day when things come my way, whatever it is okay uh doesn't matter. I do step 10 all during the day. It's not a nightly thing like it used to be. Um, I remember one time I uh, decided that I only wanted to do step one and step five. I don't know where that came from. Uh, And I did that for a couple of weeks, and I decided to tell my sponsor. And she says to me, well, okay, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. Well, a couple of days later, I started to say, and then I heard a voice that says, what's wrong with the other 10? So I said, oh, who's talking to me? Oh, so that's you, high power. I am forgetting something. There are 12 steps. There are not two. And so today I say my 12 steps uh, along with all my other things. I talked to my sponsor. Uh, I have a wonderful, wonderful sponsor. She's a very spiritual lady. And I never remembered how I got her. Just saw her at a meeting and said they walked up to her after the meeting after seven months in the, in the program. You know, and I'm not advising that for nobody else, but I was seven months here before I got a sponsor. And she said yes. And then three days later, I looked at her phone number and I said, what the hell am I doing asking this lady to be my sponsor? We've been together a little over eight years. I've been in the, I didn't tell you how long I've been in the fellowship. I came in on the 29th of august in 93 uh i became abstinent the first of december of 93 and that was only by the grace of god because i was up north for thanksgiving and didn't eat no ice cream and cake and pies and i heard that if you all said if i don't eat sugar i can lose weight well i didn't eat sugar for five days and when i came back here someone said you're abstinent from sugar i said so that's what it's all about i can do that so by the grace of god one day at a time Coming up, if God's willing, on the 1st of December, I will have nine years of abstinence. And that's only, I mean. it's not a perfect abstinence, but it is my abstinence. I don't eat the things that I used to eat. Uh, and that, I know, is not me. Because I love to eat everything that I can see. Because that was me. It didn't matter to me what it was. If it was eatable, I was putting it in my mouth. That's how I got up to 334 pounds plus in a 28 dress. And thank to God I'm not there today. For myself, um, today is just what it is just for today. I take it one day at a time because I know I can't do it uh too far in advance because my head goes kind of like... If you get too far out there, I'm saying, okay, Bernice, you're out here in this boat, and you're paddling by yourself, you're doing okay. You don't need any help. Keep going, you know. So today I have to take it. Sometimes little baby steps, and sometimes uh it's not easy. My head wants to take off and run in. But I always realize as long as I keep my God in front and don't try to st- get in his way, I'm going to be okay. So I want to thank Roy and May for making a 12-step call on me. Also, all of you all for your attention. Thank you. I I knew that there was a power greater than myself but I did not know what it was. Oh, pardon me? Oh okay. When was the first experience I had of a high power? Okay. Um I suppose in program I was I was probably uh when I heard that voice, uh, with the twelve steps when what is wrong wrong with the other ten. That was my concept of a power greater than myself. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't get to that. Apologize for that. What do I do on a daily basis? Okay, in the morning, I am up at 6 o'clock, I talk to a sponsee at 6. Fifteen to six thirty. Then I talk to my sponsor from six thirty to quarter to seven. And then there's always a friend in the fellowship that calls just to say hi. How are you? In between quarter to seven and seven o'clock. At seven o'clock, I talk to another sponsor. Then I go into my prayers and to my meditation. Um, That's my morning thing. That what I do. Uh, Then I meet. My walking partner uh anywhere from eight to eight thirty, and we walk and we talk about whatever it is okay, would I describe what I did with my eighth and ninth step? Well, I'm gonna tell you something. I can erase nine right away because I did not want to do ninth step. I was very reluctant to do the ninth step. Uh, My sponsor always said to me that um, making a list of all people that I had harmed, it was not that difficult because they were right in my face and my high power showed me those people. And that came in with my fourth step. Very easy. There was no problem with listing those people. But when it came down to um, the ninth step, I had a hard time and I hung on to it for about five months before I released it. What, what, format, did you use for your what format did I use for my inventory? Which inventory? Yeah, which 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 oh yeah, but which one? I did four inventories. Oh okay. Okay, Roy. Uh with my first one I did OA. And it was because my sponsor said to me because she uh, had went through the AA one first and she felt since it was OA and that I was in OA that I need to get more uh and go through uh OA first. My second one was AA and it was really not a pretty inventory for me. I did not like it at all. Uh but I did it. And it took me probably about uh oh about seven and a half months to complete my second uh inventory. Um, and the last two was OA. So that's where I was. Yeah. Worked. Yeah. What kept me coming back? That's thank you, Craig, for that question because I never did tip on that. I was—it uh, was because I know today of my high power, but it was because of a niece of mine that introduced me to the fellowship because she said this is where I could lose weight and it didn't cost me nothing. So I kept coming back to get that diet sheet that I thought you all were going to pass to me, and you never did. And then later on, I realized it was my high power. It kept me coming back. It had nothing to do with me. My knees are on the diet sheet. Thank you, Craig. What kind of food plan are you have? Uh, I don't. My food, I have no sugar. Oh, what food plan? I'm sorry. What food plan do I work today on for myself? No sugar. Under no circumstances, there is no sugar in my food plan. I don't have a strict. Food plan today, as I did, uh, I say the past three and a half years, I eat what I want, I just don't eat that large quantity that I used to eat. I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, and that and I pray a lot. Believe me, that's my food plan. When I dropped sugar, did I find that bread or white flour became more, um, yes, yes, in, in, into my diet, into my food plan, yes. It, it did. It really did. And, I, and and I, as I was telling uh, my friend here just a couple of days ago that I'm going to have to leave um, the bread alone again. I have given it up several times and taken it back. Yes, I did. Thank you for that question, yes. yes um, I was wondering, you said you were very active in the program. What's your favorite commitment? Oh, I said I was very active in the program. Uh, what's my favorite commitment? Well, I don't think I have a favorite, just being of service. Uh, I have been a little bit of everything, uh, in the fellowship and I like it. Uh, secretary, treasurer, um, delegate. I volunteered for seven years in the OA office. Uh, I'm working with Region 2 now. I have been for, often known for about four years. So I think it's just being of service. That's where I'm at in the fellowship. Thank you for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, do you, when you, uh, when you need to, like, do you think they belong in the program, do you approach them or do you wait for them to approach you or you say something about you as a way? in? Like, how do you, um, how do you choose whether or not to approach them or not to If I see someone that I think needs to be in the program, i mm-hmm. uh, I, I I do not pr- approach them. I will share with anyone about my program. I will tell anyone that I'm in OA, that I am I'm not ashamed of being in OA, that I am a compulsive overeater and I'm glad that I'm in OA. OA and that because me being in OA, my God has allowed me to not go there and eat all that gook that I used to eat before so i share with them my program with what's going on with me i never questioned them If I'm still working, I'm not working in the medical profession, but I can answer that if it doesn't matter. Uh, I, he asked me if I was working in the medical profession, do I share it with doctors or nurses? I have friends, uh, that are nurses that is in the fellowship, this three that has come in in the Bay Area in the past six years. Uh, and also, um my ophthalmologist, I have taken him things uh, to his office, and he's very happy because two of his workers is now also in OA. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just, I, I, I just want to say one thing that I read from the big book for myself that I like to share with uh, people what I do and i i never forget this because this was part of me and i don't never want to forget where i come from and i'm very grateful to be in the spiritual world today both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress if you persist remarkable things will happen when we look back we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in god's hands were better than anything we could have planned Follow the dictates of a high power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. And thank you all for making a 12 step call on me.